Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I asked them to sing that again. And the reason why I asked them to sing that again is because that song, man, is powerful in the words that we're declaring. We're going to see what we've been praying for. Amen. We're not wondering, hey, you know, did, did God hear me? No, we know he hears us. We're going to see everything that he's put in our heart to pray for. We see it come to pass, not only by the eyes of faith, but we see it naturally happen. Right. We believe every single word. I mean, we believe every single word, even the ones that we can't reconcile in our own mind. Right. You know, it's hard. The ones that we just can't understand, we can't fathom. I still believe it. I may not understand because, listen, I, I, I listen, I have the mind of Christ, but his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are much higher than my thoughts. I'm still trying to move up to where he is. Amen. So I'm not going to figure it all out. I have to let him reveal it. But listen, I still believe every single word. We're going to see the impossible. With men, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So where are we standing? Are we standing in his presence? Are we standing and and resting in him where all things are possible? Amen. That's why we sing it again. And I hope, I hope that you guys sang it with the heart that says, God, I believe every single one. It's not just, I'm not just singing a song just to get to the next thing. See, when you get caught up in that, that just makes it a show. It makes these guys uh, uh, dancing monkeys. I'm sorry to say it that way. It does. It makes them, it makes them just little, little circles of circus things. They're not. They're ministers of the gospel bringing forth and declaring what God has said. And so when they're singing, it's them declaring and pronouncing the anointing of God in this place to fill it with his presence. It's not just a show. And so we sang it again, man, because you you got a chance to hear it once. Now you hear it again. Now this time you can believe it. Amen. 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 Give somebody a big hug and you may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Amen, amen. Stronger, stronger than we've ever been. We are standing on this just you know I had a message for you last week and that thing stayed on my heart because it, I think it's it's important not just for last week but I think it's important for us period um, and uh, I know because for the past three weeks um, I've just been under serious attack of the enemy and that's me and I know whenever it's me that it's also happening to you and 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 it's just been, you know, for the first week and a half, it was where I was up all night, just not getting a chance to sleep at all, just having to declare God's word all night long, every single night. It, it just 
having to stand against what the enemy was throwing at not only me, but it was always for you. Just standing against how the enemy has been trying to attack you. And God began to talk to me about, about this. And I know that, that, that many of you have been going through this. And so let's go to James chapter 1 and verse 2. Guys, I know you've heard the scripture a million, billion times. It is the ones that we hear over and over that we start to think we got. And we start to just brush over them. And you forget that they are God's words. Amen. His word to you. And it says this, my brother and my family. Count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations. Now I want you to understand this, this diverse temptations would be better understood today as different tests. Or trials, different things that come against you. Testings that are there. That are, that are really trying to challenge you. So different challenges that arise, different tests that arise. I want you to see that. But I want you to understand this because this is how we get, learn to count it all joy. And this is a thing. That before you are tested, when there's a good teacher that is teaching, before they test you, they make sure you have all the necessary information, all the necessary tools to be able to pass the test. Now, you have to understand that in the test that we're taking here, listen, although the enemy may be coming against you, it's still in the classroom that God provides. Okay, you missed that. Even though you're being attacked by the enemy, it's still in the classroom that God oversees. Is that there's not a whole lot that the devil can do. He, is, he has restraints and confounds, right? He's, he's not omnipotent. He's not unlimited in what he can do. He can only do what you allow him to do. Okay? So you have to understand that God has given you all the tools. That's the first thing you need to understand. When you're in that classroom where God is not just a good teacher, he's the great teacher. Amen? Amen? And you're in his class and he's giving you all the tools that you need. You've got to remember that first. So when you have different tests and trials come, you've got to be able to go back to that and reach for that. Wait a minute. I'm in God's class. If I'm being tested, that means I am prepared. That means I am prepared for this test. The next thing that it says here, and I want you to get this. Uh, oh, oh, before we read that, I want you to understand this. The one who has all the answers to the test is for you and with you. All you have to do is ask. You're not in it alone. Guess what? Can I tell you a secret? It's an open book test. It's an open book test. The problem is we don't open the book. We're too busy trying to handle it from our own understanding and our own way rather than going to the one who has all the answers. The Holy Spirit is willing to give them to you, to reveal them from these scriptures. The next part of this is uh, that, that I love this is knowing this. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. Remember the testing or the 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 the, the making your faith the the working out of your faith develops consistency. 
It develops consistency. You have to remember this in the process. So don't forget, number one, you have the tools, you are prepared. Number two, you have the one who has the answers right there with you. You got to remember and forget not whose you are and who you are. You have to understand that you are his and in his kingdom, the heavenly father's kingdom, there is a different operating system than there is in the world. And that system operates on the currency of faith. So for you to be able to do business in this new kingdom, you must have this currency to be able to do business. But when you don't have faith or your faith has not been developed, then let's, let me tell you like this. Let me think. Of, I want you to think of faith this way, but it's not a great example, but it's an example so you can see it. OK, then it's not my message. This is just leading to my message. OK, just so you'll be prepared. I want you to understand, when you first go into the gym, if you've never been to a gym, you've never, oh, you don't even have to go to the gym. If you've never done a push-up, did you know that your muscles don't have, uh, they don't function, they're not strong enough, they're not developed enough to be able to do a push-up in most cases? So you have to find some way to have some assistance in order to get there, and you have to do things that will allow you to be able to do what? Strip the muscle down, tear it down, to build it back up. Right? And so you're going to have to go through something that's difficult. Right? Because getting in and not me just doing this all day, not going to build my muscles. I got to give it something that tests it. Right? Something that tests it, even if all I can do is two pounds. That's fine if that's where I am. And then it tears it down. I build it up. And then what happens the next time is now I'm a little stronger. And then I'm a little bit stronger. I add a little more and then I'm a little bit stronger. And the more testing, the more, the more uh, 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 things that come against my muscles, the more resistance I have, the stronger I become. That's why he says this. Know that the triangle of your faith develops consistency. See, I could go to the gym today and not go back for another year and I'll still be at two and a half pounds or worse. Right. But I have to be consistent and it causes me to develop so that I have the ability to walk by faith. Because remember, in, the, in this kingdom, faith is the currency for without faith. It is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So you're in a bad position if you're not gaining faith. So the tests and the trials that you go through, they're all good. You should count them as joy. I'm gaining the currency that I need to be able to please God. Not, not in a way that you think. He still loves you. But in order to accomplish what he's asking you to do, it takes faith. Because in this kingdom, listen, you got to remember, you got to remember this, that this is a kingdom that's not seen. So everything is done in faith. So this is so vitally important to your, your going through. So if you can remember when you're going through these things, one, I am prepared. I have all the necessary tools to pass this test, to make it through and not just make it through beaten up. To make it through with an A. 
Amen. Number two, the one who is with me has all the answers. Just look to him for them. It's an open book test. And lastly, don't forget whose you are and who you are. Jeremiah 17, 7 says this. I'm going to quickly read this and you guys can write it down. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Blessed is the man who trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Can I tell you something? A lot of us, when we go into different tests and we get into different trials, we lose sight of trusting God. We get into panic of how can I do it? And we get into the situation and we forget that my hope has always been in the Lord. It's never been in what I could accomplish. I hope I'm not boring you. I hope I'm not losing you. I want you to get this. Because there are some times, and I get it, I want to talk to you about the times, listen, the, the ultimate goal is that you can always trust in the Lord. And you can always have your hope in him. But if we're realistic, can we be real? Can we be real? We're not always in that position. We can't always remember the goodness of God. We can't always see how he's going to work it out. Although I may trust, my hands still sweat. Although I still trust, my night can sometime in my sleep can sometimes be awakened with how am I going to pay this bill? How is God going to work it out? How is he going to fix this? You ever been tormented in the nighttime with those thoughts? Right? And so God told me to talk about this, and, and it's important for us to become this and for us to, uh, to become this for one another so that we can help. I want us to go to uh, Acts chapter 19. And this is what I wanted to talk about today. Acts chapter, excuse me, not 19, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, I'm going to be over in... Uh, in 26, uh, verse 26, I'm going to get there, but I want to talk to you a little bit about, about what we want to talk about today. There's this, this guy, you guys remember this guy named Saul of Tarsus? Anybody remember who he was? If you don't remember, I'm going to tell you. Saul of Tarsus was this guy who was, I mean, just really a guy who was on his way in the, in the, in the Pharisee community. He was on his way. He was really on the track to be. He had everything in line. He had the right lineage. He had the right money. He had the right background. He was taking the right classes. He was on his way. And so this guy named Saul is also a guy because the Pharisees didn't like the followers of Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. He was one of the guys that was going around getting anybody who was following Jesus and locking them up in prison. And that was his goal. His job was to go out, man, get them, find where they were. He was like a spy, secret agent, man. Wherever they were meeting, he'd show up, bust the place, raid the place, kick the door in and talk about all y'all going to jail and some of y'all dying. And this is who Saul was. And all the while, he thought he was doing it for God. 
And so then Saul has an encounter with God and he tells God, tells him, hey, Jesus says, hey, look here. You're not doing this for me. You're doing this against me. And Saul goes, oi, are you serious? And he goes and he gives his heart to Jesus. But Saul was known to be the one who persecuted Christians. And he was known to be the sneaky one trying to figure out where everything was. This could have been a trick, man. This guy's tricking everybody. He's not really, he's not really changed. How you going to go from killing people to wanting to be one of us? You just want to find out where the next meeting is so you can lock up some more people. That's what it is. We don't trust you. And so here is Saul and he starts preaching the gospel. Now God has turned his name into Paul and he's preaching the gospel in Damascus where he was. And he finds out that people want to kill him. And so they let him over the wall so he can escape and get out of town, make it out safely and people are like, that could have been a ploy. That's just a way to get him in, man. So he was in, you know, he was in cell box, uh, block C when he really wasn't there. He was undercover. And the people aren't sure. So Saul is going back to the apostles. Is it okay if I tell this story? Y'all with me? Okay. And so Saul, Saul is on his way, or Paul is now on his way to see the disciples, the apostles. He's going to meet with them. And they're like, no. Nah. No, no, man. No, no. He ain't tricking us. And they didn't want to meet with him. Let's look here in Acts 9, 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, I want you to remember that, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that had spoken unto him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which when the brethren knew, they thought, uh, brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and all and, and were edified, excuse me, and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. 27, but Barnabas. I want you to remember that in this situation, in order for Paul to be able to reach his destiny, to become who wrote two-thirds, not quite two-thirds, but almost two-thirds of the New Testament, this guy who's writing this, to become this guy from this bad guy to this guy, the only thing that connected him in was Barnabas. If Barnabas had not vouched for Paul, Paul wasn't the one talking that said what Paul did. It was Barnabas who stood up and said, hey, 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 I know you guys don't trust him, but you know what? I'm standing up here to say this is what I saw with my own eyes. You know what? I believe in this guy. I believe that what what has happened to him is real because I watched how he was different and how he declared the name of Jesus with boldness. Barnabas, 
without Barnabas being able to come alongside, Paul may have been a footnote that was out preaching somewhere that never really got connected. And Barnabas, his name and who he was referred to is this, the son of consolation, the encourager. He's the son of consolation, and I left out this, and comfort. The encourager. That's who Barnabas was. Son of consolation, comfort, and comfort, the encourager. Every one of us, every one of us needs someone who can encourage us. Someone who can come alongside and vouch for us even when other people are saying, get him out of here. He'll never amount to anything. He'll never make it. Oh, you can't trust him. You need an encourager. And Barnabas was that for Saul. Remember for Paul. Remember this. Remember this. There are going to be times in our lives when we cannot remember that God can be trusted. I mean, I'm just being honest. When things overwhelm you so much, you're so overwhelmed by what is happening in front of you that you forget that God can be trusted. And you need a Barnabas to come alongside you and to encourage you because I'm sure that Paul was being discouraged. Man, here, I got nothing. I got nothing to go back to. I've already preached the gospel. Everything I had built for 40 Forty-something years is now crumbled. I don't have that anymore. I'm trying to connect into Jesus, but all the stuff I did here is hard. And I might not even get my shot because they don't even trust me. They don't believe me. They don't want anything to do with me. How am I going to make it? Now I'm out here all alone. Am I going to... People want to kill me? Already. I just got saved. And they want to kill me. And I got so much that's in my heart to share. I know what I want to tell. I just want to tell my story. And I can't. I don't know, man. Maybe I messed this up. But he had Barnabas to stand in the gap for him. He vouched for Paul. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. I want us to go to Acts chapter 12 real quick. Because I want you to know that this is not a one-off time for, for, uh, for Barnabas. Let's look at one more thing real quick. Let's go to Mark, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Um, this, is, this is Barnabas and, and Paul. They're going now together. They're going out in the ministry. And they've already gone and and uh, going somewhere and now they're getting ready to go back into another set of ministry things and here let's go to uh, let's go let's go to uh, 25 just 25 we'll read that Acts chapter 12 and 25 and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem and when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John whose surname was Mark. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Mark. Can I tell you a little bit about Mark? So most of us don't realize this, 
But Mark was a guy who had been, and I won't tell you his last accomplishment, I'll just tell you a little bit about him ahead of time. Mark was this young fellow who had been in the church since his conception early on. His mother was one, matter of fact, his mother, it was at his mother's house when they all gathered together to pray for Peter. You remember when Peter was in prison and they were all gathered together and then, and then Peter got out of prison. He came and knocked on the door and they didn't believe it was him. That was at John, at John Mark's mom's house. So he had been a part hanging out with the, the apostles, the disciples who were in the area. He was sitting close to them. He was getting to know them. He was a guy that people said, this kid, yeah, this is the guy you want to hang out with. This is the guy you want to get. He, he, he's going somewhere. He's for real. He's seen things happening. This is who John Mark was. And so Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go and they say, hey, we need a helper. Let's get John Mark, man. You know, he'll be good because then when we start getting a little older or we need to send somebody else out, we can trust him to go. And so they choose John Mark here in this verse, but I want you to go skip over to 15. I don't have time to tell you all the stories. Is that okay? Can I just get to the points I want to get to? Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. And I want us to look at verse 36. And so now these guys have gone out and they've been preaching everywhere. Paul and Barnabas, man, they've been doing some big things all over, casting out devils. They've been going in places, getting whole towns saved, witchcraft. They throwing out witches and stuff like that, man. They're taking over and doing great things. And John Mark is there with them. And then about midway through that time, not even the whole time that they're traveling, John Mark says, man, I can't handle this. Yikes. I did not know people were going to be hating us. I did not know people were going to be trying to kill us when we went places. We're going to have to sneak out of town. We're going to have to run out of town. I did not know this. I am out. I liked it better when I was at my mom's house when people were coming over and everybody was Christians and we had a good time talking about Jesus. That's really what he was feeling. And can I tell you something? Most of us feel that same way. We like the comfort of being at church. Let us talk about missionary journeys. No, 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 that's not me. Oh, no, 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 no. I like it here. And that's how he was. And he left them in the middle when they needed him. So John Mark disappears, goes back home to the comfort of it. And verse 36, here we are. And some days later, after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again. We chill long enough. We've been back long enough from our journeys. Let's go out again. It's time. And visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Barnabas says, hey, let's take Mark. What does Paul say? But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from, from them in Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Man, what's wrong with you, man? Don't you know this boy? We took him last time and he left us. And you want to take him again? He can't be trusted. He can't be trusted. This is not, he will never make it in this business. I understand. But that's the way Paul was feeling about this situation. And the Bible says this in the next verse. Listen, 39. And the contention 
meaning the struggle, the strife, the frustration, the anger, the, the, the situation between those two was so sharp between them that they cut ties. It says here, they're so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. I want to stop there and I want you to think about this. Paul had a good valid point. God left us, man. We needed him. We needed his help in where we were going into the city and he decided to ditch us. And now Barnabas, you, man, you want to take him so bad that you're going to cause us to split up. Man, we just did great work. We just did something serious over here, man. Do you know how many people, how many towns that we went in and now those people are serving Jesus? And you want to take John again who messed it up and you so serious about this that we about to split over this? But Barnabas. Barnabas understood something that Paul didn't. He understood the same thing that the disciples didn't when, Bar- when, when it was Paul. He understood that if you just give some people some encouragement and some time, that they can reach their destiny. So many people just want to throw people away because of their mistakes. Because of their past, because they don't they don't always get it right, because they're in a situation. And this is the 10th time you've been in a situation similar to this. And this is the 10th time that you can't trust God. I'm done with you. But wait a minute. What if instead of throwing you away? I encouraged you. I reminded you of how God can be trusted. What if instead of getting mad at you and cutting ties with you, I took you under my wing and I walked you through to see all the places where God came through and was able to be trusted? Because as we see this, here they are, they separate. And guess what? Can I tell you something you don't hear anything else about Barnabas and John Mark from this point on? Now it's Paul and Silas that you hear about. And everybody else says, yeah, see, see. Because he went with, with John Mark, it was, you know, you don't no longer have any recollection of him. But that's not true. Go to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 4. And this is Paul at the end of his time. He's talking to Timothy. I'm going to read 7 then jump to 10. Uh, or, or jump to 11, excuse me, do seven, then jump to 11. Paul is talking to Timothy and he says this, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. He's at the end of his road. Paul's at the end of things and he's doing some reflecting. I don't know about you, Eddie, when you start getting closer to the end of some things, whether it's leaving a job or, or you, you, you know, your, your children are transitioning out of home or something's happening different and it's coming to an end, you start to look back at things. You start to reflect on things, right? And here he is reflecting. And he's telling him this. And then he jumps to 11 and he says, listen, only Luke is with me now. 
take Mark and bring him with you. He says, hey, when you get ready to come, Luke is, Luke is here with me, but I need you to get somebody. Grab Mark. Grab John Mark. Maybe that'll make you remember who he is. Because what does he say? For he is profitable for me in ministry. If it hadn't been for Barnabas' encouragement, John Mark wouldn't have been profitable. If he had just been left to himself because, listen, he ditched us, I'm done with you. He would have never been profitable and you wouldn't have gotten the book of Mark. Which tells us tremendous things. Can I show you something that, that Mark tells us? This is good. I love it. Go to Mark chapter 16. He says so much in there. Mark chapter 11, that's a good one. Ooh, man, that's good. But Mark chapter 16, man, ooh, no, I keep going, keep going, keep going. Mark chapter 16, Mark says this, I love it. He says this, I, I, I'm just going, can, can I read 17 and then jump over to, well, I'll just read 17 through, through 20. He says this, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Now listen, he's saying something that Jesus said. But, but here he is in this great commission that he's telling. Really, he's one of the only ones who makes this declaration. Now, now the words that are said, Jesus said, of course. But the way that he, he gave us the information is different than the way anybody else gave. Okay. And he says this, he that believeth and is baptized, uh, what was it, I'm sorry, 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and they drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. He remembers all of this and this is something that the Holy Spirit makes him put in here. And I want you to see this last part. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God, uh, uh, hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following them. I tell you, them was not there. He says this because he understands something now that no matter what I'm going through, it's God who is doing the work. He is he is the one who takes care of everything. And that's why the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, who is the encourager, who's the consoler. Amen. See, Barnabas was operating in the spirit of the Holy Spirit. Right. That's what he was acting on. That's how the Holy Spirit deals with you now. He didn't throw you away. He tries to encourage you. He comes alongside you to encourage. Listen, what is what did I tell you about the Holy Spirit? We said that he's another comforter. But that word comforter, paracletus, most people thought it was just helper. But what does it mean? Come on, come on. I got a gift card for whoever remembers. You don't remember, see? Okay, one who comes alongside to help. But I said there's a better definition for it. One of nobody remembers. It's going back in my pocket. I gave you five more seconds. Five. Four, three, 
two, one. You close one of equal quality. One of equal quality. He is the same as Jesus. And Jesus does the same thing. He encourages. Never once, listen, never once to his disciples. Never once to his disciples was he rude. It was always to the Pharisees, those that didn't follow outside. But his disciples, he said, hey, how long am I going to be with you? Let me tell you. Let me give you the answer to this. Let me encourage you. Let me prepare you. He even told Paul, he said, I mean, not Paul, Peter. He said, listen, when you're restored, go get your brothers. Build them again. Encouragement is so necessary to get us where we're going when we sometimes forget in the midst of the struggle that God is faithful. And it's so important for us to become encouragers. Right. So not only not only listen, listen, not only do I need people to encourage me, but I need to be one who encourages others. That means I need to be led by the spirit of God. I, I was going to talk about David. I, I don't have time to do that. David and and first Samuel 30, he had to encourage himself. It said, it said in the situation, listen, uh, let me make sure I'm telling you right. Uh, make sure it's, it's 1 Samuel. Yes, 1 Samuel 30. David was in a situation. Let me tell you, this is the craziest thing. David was in a situation where he had gone somewhere to, to, to help in battle. And, they, and when they sent him back from the battle, they said, hey, listen, the Philistines don't trust you. And I, I get why they don't trust him. He had, he had cut off Goliath's head. So I wouldn't have trusted him either, right? So they said, man, because if he's in battle, he might try to kill us, too. So send him out. And when he went back home, guess what had happened? When he left to go to battle, when he took all his mighty men, when he came back, all the women, children were taken into captivity. And they said the men that came back wept so hard until they had no strength left. Don't you think they were a little discouraged? <laughs> Matter of fact, they were like, hey, look, man, it's all your fault, David. Matter of fact, we want, we're going to stone you because this is your fault. We hadn't wrapped ourselves up with these stupid Philistines. We would have been here. And they said, David had to encourage himself in the Lord. Sometimes nobody else going to know. And you got to learn how to encourage your own self. You got to learn how to open this book and say, God, I am discouraged but I need some encouragement. I'm going to encourage myself in you. Show me where to go. You got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. But I want us as a church family. It is our responsibility. Listen, I wrote this down and I want to say this. It is our responsibility as Christ-like people to love, to build relationship with and encourage developed people slash develop people to grow into who God has called them to be. Even when they are a bit flaky or even when others choose to leave them behind. It is our responsibility as Christ-like people to love, to build relationships with, to encourage or develop people to grow into who God has called them to be. There, There are so many times when people have said, hey, man, you need to just distance yourself from them. 
told him a million times, stop. And God tells me, I got plans for them. He's got, did you know he has plans for each one of you? And the reason why, listen, the reason why you go through the test is because God's trying to develop you to be able to get to where he wants you to be. I just wanted you to hear this thing of the power of encouragement, how it affected Paul, how it affected Mark. I want you to understand it is valuable and vital for you. I want each one of you to go home today and to just say, God, first, first thing is, let me learn how to encourage myself. The second thing is, is let me be an encouragement and encourager to others. I'm going to say this last thing, and this is this is really, really something that I just heard God drop in my heart to say. One of the things that will help the the, the church, not just the church at Thornton, the church at large, to grow and develop, is when we learn how to encourage people. That's one thing that we're lacking in. Somebody get on your nerves, you just write them off and stop answering their call. Yeah, that's true, right? We're just being real. Or we don't know what to say. Or we're like, ah, I've said it so many times, I'm tired of saying it. We have to learn to encourage. That's what people are in need of. Because they're never going to get where they're going because they don't know how to. I know that sounds crazy, but they don't. Be First, learn how to encourage yourself, just in case nobody else is encouraging you. A lot of times I have to do that to myself. There are times, don't get me wrong, there are times when I'm just really beaten. And I have to get up and say, you know what? God, you're good. Even though this doesn't feel good, you're good. Even though I can't see how it's going to work for my good, you're good. And then I'll get a, a text from Becky uh, Greenwood saying, hey, I just had you on my heart today. Are you okay? I've been praying for you. And I go, that was right on time. Thank you. Or from someone else that would do that. We have to learn to be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Father, that you are building in each one of us the ability to encourage and to receive encouragement, Father. I thank you that, that even now, Father God, you are, you are moving on hearts right now. They're feeling that little tug to say, yeah, I'm going home and I'm really going to talk to the Holy Spirit about how to be an encourager. You just really, you really sense that little tug now. You see it, you, you, you feel it, you feel like, yeah, this is something I need to do. This was for me. I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you meet them right where they are in doing so. And I thank you.